0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, I apologize for my saw-looking basement, but I don't have anywhere else to record right now, so please forgive me. I just wanted to get some thoughts off, rant a little bit about what happened last night in the Sixers-Pistons game. Majority of this episode was focused on Doc Rivers and the team's recent struggles, although I was kind of encouraged coming out of the Suns and Bucks games that they competed in those games. Things have felt a little bit off. There definitely feels like there's a little bit of tension between Embiid and Doc and the team in general. The vibes are a little bit off from where they were before, especially when James Harden first got here and things seem to be going great. The honeymoon definitely seems to be over and that culminated last night with Doc Rivers comments after the game. When he basically said, you know, he wasn't mad at the bench for not scoring because James Harden was doing a bunch of iso ball while they were playing with him. And to be fair, last night, if if James Harden plays like that, the Sixers roster is not configured to overcome a bad James Harden game like that. Harden, every other game, it seems like, just cannot hit a shot, cannot get by anyone, struggles, especially on switches... And things have been a little bit up and down for him. It's I'm hoping it's the hamstring because in some games he can hit his shots. He can look like in the Bucks game. I felt like he was able to get by some defenders. Sometimes he wasn't being guarded by Giannis and drew the whole time, but he got by Middleton a few times, got by Wes Matthews pretty easily. I felt like things were looking up and then it comes crashing back down with the Pistons game last night. And Overall, I feel like last night you can kind of put on the bad Harden game and the fact that Doc still plays DeAndre Jordan, despite the fact that he is not an NBA player. He is not an NBA player anymore. I mean, he was negative nine in 10 minutes again. Like, the guy just should, other than the Suns game, DeAndre Jordan has not shown life on the Sixers in any stretch, pretty much, the entire season, basically. Maybe the one game against the Cavs when he was standing in the dunker spot and just catching lobs. Defensively, he's cooked. Offensively, he brings nothing to the table. And ultimately, if James Harden plays the way that he plays, the Sixers aren't going anywhere. So I can't get too mad at Doc about that. But at the same time, you're the coach, and Daryl Moore, you're the GM who gave him this guy to play, and you knew he was going to play him, and he's terrible. The Sixers are constantly on the verge of pulling away against teams, whether it's good teams, it's bad teams. And then the bench comes in and they never extend a lead. And the one game that they did was the Suns game when James Harden struggled. So it seems like they can't really get on the same page of just putting their foot down and just putting their foot on the gas and blowing a team out. Like, it's just, it's not really in the cards for this team. There's always something that seems to be off and last night, and even though his comments might have been taken out of context, like this is the same thing that we've heard with Doc, especially a few days after Embiid criticizes him, which I talked about on this episode. Doc has got to go. Like I, I, I've been not a Doc guy since the jump, and the playoffs kind of proved to me why. But like I was willing to give him another year because of the fact that you know he had the Ben Simmons collapse. Everyone struggled in, in that Hawk series at different points, even Joel and Embiid did, and I was willing to give Doc a, a second year, a second chance to prove that he can learn and change, and it's never going to happen. We talked about it on this episode. You can feel the wheels starting to come off on the Doc River Sixers, and it all starts with the star of the team calling him out, and then him making kind of side-eyed comments at the other star on the team And especially with a guy like James Harden, who has a history of blowing up locker rooms, who has a history of leaving his team, who has a history of just being like, fuck this, I'm out of here. He's a free agent after the season. And even if you weren't a fan of the James Harden trade, even if you didn't want the Sixers to get James Harden, he's on the Sixers now. And if you lose him, you're completely fucked. And... Doc Rivers making those comments, even if he didn't mean it in that way, you have to be extremely careful. And I know that Daryl Morey is the number one James Harden guy, and I know that he does not, he's not the biggest Doc Rivers fan, despite what everyone fucking says. I think that there's definitely some tension between those two as well. And I think that if the Sixers do flame out in the playoffs, which it's looking increasingly likely, this is probably karma for me doing the heat pack episode last week, where I just made fun of the heat and now they they're back in first place and we've fell to fourth and here we are. Right. But if the team continues to skid down the end of the season and just completely go off the rails and then lose in the first or second round of the playoffs in an embarrassing fashion, Doc Rivers will be gone because I think that that would be the first time that Daryl Morey feels real pressure on him following the hardened trade you know in beads in his prime you need to kind of try to win right fucking now. And this does feel like the beginning of the end for Doc, the only way that I can over like I don't the only way I think that he can overcome this is if the Sixers make a run to the conference finals or the finals, which looks increasingly unlikely. Despite the fact that I do feel overall fine about the team, I think that Daryl Morey not going all in with this roster because he was so focused on the Harden trade and not being able to get an adequate backup center and any wing depth at all will probably be the downfall of this team. In addition to that, Doc Rivers just being Doc Rivers, James Harden not looking healthy and possibly washed. There's a lot of question marks with this team, but I think that I'm once again trying to remain positive. It's now April, but that game was the last day of March, the Pistons have been playing their fucking asses off recently. And there have been a lot of parallels to the 18 19 Sixers recently, which is they kind of, the vibes are a little bit weird. They're not really getting along. And down the stretch of the season, they're competing against teams like the Bucks. Like they beat the Bucks once, they lost to the Bucks once. Sound familiar? They are competing against these teams that are teams that they're supposed to get up for. But then they lost two games to the Atlanta Hawks that season, who, by the way, that was Trey's rookie season. That was end of the year. They lost two games to Trey Trey and the Hawks. Embiid didn't play in some of those games, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I still think that the Sixers will be better come playoff time, but it ultimately comes down to two things. It comes down to, is James Harden James Harden, or is he a shell of his former self? And then on top of that, is the bench and the backup center situation tenable and fixable? And I don't know the answers to that right now. So we'll see over the next few weeks whether the team can overcome all of this recent drama. We'll see if they can make a run. I do think that their best chance at making a run is probably in the four seed, and it's something that I talked about before. But I also don't think that you should have a bunch of losses right before the playoffs, not having a ton of confidence heading into the playoffs. Right now they would face Chicago in the first round. By the way, they have a chance to slip even further. Like they play Toronto next week in Toronto and it's a possibility they could fall to five or six. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that the rest of the schedule should be easy enough that they can overcome that because they play the Pacers twice and they play the Pistons once more, but like we just saw them against a bad team last night and how did it look and it feels as though staying in the 4 seed is their best option if especially if Miami holds on to the 1 seed cuz then you have probably in the first round you have Chicago who the Sixers have owned for years and will probably beat in a seven game series and then you have Miami who is undeniably the best second round matchup the Sixers are a bad matchup with the Celtics and Nets as i've brought up before I think the Bucs are probably just better when they actually care. They'll probably beat the Sixers in a seven-game series. I think it will be closer than people might think, but I think that ultimately they would win that series. And I think that right now the Sixers' best path is that. But you've seen Miami come out, and you know, even when they have had their weird vibes and stuff, they've played well against the Sixers this year. They've really fucked up their half-court offense, and that's kind of what needs to carry the Sixers in the playoffs. So the Sixers have no guaranteed route to a conference finals or a finals is what I'm trying to say here. And ultimately, this might come down to Joel and be just going into sicko mode and carrying the Sixers for two to three weeks, and we'll see if he is that tier of player because Joel, as great as he is, you know, has had some burnouts in the playoffs health-wise, fatigue-wise, And I hope that he takes this personally and I hope that him maybe getting burnt on this MVP for some bullshit at the end of the season and possibly first team all NBA motivates him to kind of carry the team and be the leader that we know that he can be. So that's my rant. We're going on 10 minutes here. You know, all the other stuff you can catch in the description. I will have the merch you can buy merch. I'm releasing more merch soon, but the first round of merch is, is all great, and uh, please support me and Duani with that. I have some other people that I'm working on for the second round of merch that I will be releasing soon, uh, right before the playoffs. I have the Square that you could donate to. We just got our first donation in like a month on there, so you can support us through there. You can rate us on Apple. You can... You can rate us on Spotify. You can rate us on any podcast platform that allows that. And you can also like us on YouTube. Please like this video. Subscribe if you can. If you enjoy my content, please share it with people. I would really appreciate that. I'm about to hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. I'm trying to hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I'm trying to take this thing to the next level. So thank you for being here with me and supporting me. And I will talk to you soon, hopefully with some better news. Next week, uh, about the Sixers, even though things never really seem to be that way, huh? Peace. You yeah. Yeah. We work to work, you like to work. I had let this You know, my pride was called to Chicago in December. My bitch came up and
1: ankle with her mama, was her dead, And when I'm in the mid what she say. I look at your family. My dog paid me that cup. Taste like candy. My dog out laying down low, ain't breaking no laws, out surfing on the rock. Beats outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the cars. Little hot
0: what's going on guys welcome back to the you know ball podcast i am your host Trill bro dude and joining me once again for the fourth time on the you know ball podcast got my buddy rob flom aka rich homie flom from 213 hoops what's going on rob
1: not much how you doing man
0: I'm doing all right. We 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 get to talk about uh, something that we have in common. Last time you were on the podcast, we mentioned it. We did an episode about a year ago where we actually went pretty in-depth on mm-hmm. Doc Rivers and his playoff struggles and his time with the Clippers, the team that you cover, and now he is the Sixers head coach. And I really feel like I'm losing my mind with this guy. Uh, I don't know how else to put it other than the fact that I don't want to put all of the blame on him, but it does feel like that classic Doc situation where the wheels are kind of starting to come off a little bit because the Sixers have, by all standards, exceeded expectations when you Mm -hmm. consider the circumstances this year. And I do think Doc needs a little bit of credit, especially when Embiid doesn't play. They've been competitive in most of those games. I think that, as you have mentioned to me before, Doc is really good when he doesn't have star players. He's, yep. Yeah, he, he's great when he doesn't have the pressure of winning on him. And I have to give him credit for that. But more recently, especially with Joel Embiid's postgame comments after the Bucks' loss, it does feel like we're headed down the path that Doc always heads down. And, and you know it very well.
1: Yeah, it's so weird. I think we did talk about this in the, in that pod, but the Doc got this reputation as like a star player's coach because of his time in Boston. That's like where he's at his absolute worst. Um uh, when he needs to like stagger and like he never staggered the Clippers ever. It drove Clippers fans absolutely insane. Uh we had articles like every year like here's easy ways the Doc could stagger these guys, you know, you pair, you know, uh Chris and, and Blake, you don't even need to stagger anybody else. Just Though know, they don't play that great together, um, you know, you stagger them, they each get to run their own teams in their own ways, and you know, 10 minutes a game, however much it is, never did it. Um, but yeah, like he's great when, when Embiid isn't playing, and it's like Tobias Harrison and, and Tyrese Maxey and they're just winning winning games, and uh, it makes no sense. And then Embiid plays, and like he plays Paul Millsap for too long, and somehow DeAndre Jordan is still in the NBA, and uh, it's it is bad. I, I will say that. It's so hard to know the politics behind player signings, but I I blame Daryl Morey for the DeAndre Jordan yes. situation.
0: I think you 100% are fair in saying that. Yeah, like he
1: you know Doc loves DeAndre. Doc, DeAndre might be Doc's all-time favorite player. It's he's really up there. It might be like Paul Pierce, but DeAndre is like a top 3, top 5 all-time Doc guy. Like He was not a great player when Doc came to to the Clippers. And Doc was like, I believe in you. You can be a star. You're going to be the guy. And DeAndre was great. Like, he was legitimately great for the Clippers for, like, five years. And he credits that to Doc. And, like, that is one of Doc's biggest successes. And it's like, you give that guy to Doc, and Doc is going to play him. Of course. It's going to happen.
0: Yeah. As your your job as a GM, president of basketball operations, whatever more he is, Is to make sure that your coach is given the guys that – and if you give him one of his guys, especially a coach like Doc, I think a lot of coaches fall for the veteran thing far too often. I think that even good coaches can fall for the veteran thing. Yeah. But at a certain point, they realize that it's untenable. And – Doc will never reach that point if you give him the guys to play. Like if we had just not signed DeAndre Jordan or even Willie Cauley Stein and we just rolled with Millsap, Bassey and Reed into the playoffs, there's no way we would be in a worse situation than we are right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it stings Sixers fans specifically because we've seen it before in the playoffs in those minutes and it's something that when I was losing my mind when we signed DeAndre Jordan I was like this is horrible what are you doing and I feel like I've been justified a little bit now he actually had some decent minutes in the Suns game for probably the first time as a Sixer and then immediately the next game Doc decides this is the Paul Millsap game and like Embiid's comments after the game where he basically said and and to be fair Embiid does need to be better with this kind of stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Because as
0: people have pointed out, like, Giannis isn't doing this, Steph isn't doing this, Jokic isn't doing this. LeBron's doing this, but LeBron's LeBron, and, like, he can get away with it. But, like, Uh. Grant doesn't do this. The majority of superstars, you can call out your coach and you can be frustrated with players on the team and all that stuff. But ultimately, you know, we had a chance to win at the end. Giannis blocked you at the rim, and you can't put everything on the coaching and Doc, even though of course we won in your minutes, but it was a pretty tight margin. Like he was a plus three in a two point game. Like that could be the difference of one player or not. But my whole point on this is that we're starting to see like doc is never going to change. Like it's almost to the point where it feels like he's fucking with us because (laughs) after the game, he goes out to the press and says, you know, I almost played Paul Reed, but he struggled last time when we played against Milwaukee, he didn't even play the last time we played against Milwaukee. And on top of that, his best game of the season was the first game of the season against Milwaukee when he held Giannis to four for 11 from the field. Giannis goes and he scores 12, 12 points in like two minutes on Paul Millsap. It was tough. We blow the game. Like, it just feels like part of it is on Mori for sure for giving him these players, and I totally agree with that. But another part of it is like you have to be flexible as a coach, dude. You just have to be flexible, and he just never will be.
1: Yeah, it's it's at this point in his career, I mean, he's been coaching for what, like, you know, 20-something years he started with Orlando in 1999. He's been coaching almost every single year since then. Um, I, Maybe every single year. I don't know if he's I think, he has. I had... think the only
0: time he, he did the t- TV studio stuff when the Celtics and the Clippers lost early in the playoffs. I don't think he ever took a year off.
1: I don't think so. I'm looking at his coaching record here, and it, I mean, he was—so he was fired by the Magic in— early 2004 but he started coaching the next season so the rest of that season he was not hired but that is literally that is it so he's been coaching continuously for like 23 years and yeah like I just I don't think he's shown much adaptation like he's not a guy who will be flexible he is like some of the stuff with young players is is really interesting because when he was given really talented young guys he did play them um like he's played Tyrese Maxey like yeah. you have to, I I, I think forced into situation. that though,
0: because of the Ben Simmons situation. Like yeah. he was forced to play him big minutes, I should say. Like yes, Maxi would be the sixth man if Ben played this year and probably played 20 minutes a game, 25
1: minutes a game. Yeah. Like when he's forced to, he will like, I mean, <laughs> he, he doesn't have much of a choice, but like he, you know, he will do that. Um, you know, when when the Clippers in his last um, second to last year when they had Shea as a rookie, he played Shea a ton. I mean, the Clippers did have to trade Avery Bradley to get his right. carcass off the team. Uh, maybe my least favorite Clipper of all time. Um, We're sensing just, a theme here, though. The
0: the front yeah. office was like, we got to get rid of this fucking guy. So he plays Shea. Yes. So that Shea, even if Shea isn't good enough to help us win right now, which he was, by the way. He
1: was really good yeah, as a rookie. Yeah, he was super but good.
0: Even if he wasn't, we need to get this guy's trade value up. Because we're trying to get a second star when we get Kawhi Leonard. Or develop him into a second star. Like, like the disconnect is just obvious. And, and it seems like Maury needs to take things into his own hands. Like, I literally tweeted during the game the other day, he should just cut Paul Millsap
1: and DeAndre Jordan. They're so terrible. He, I mean... It is tough. I mean, and this is where we just don't know the team dynamics well enough. And, like, maybe people who are, like, super plugged in with the team um, might know a little bit about this. But, like, you just never know who are guys on the team who seem useless, maybe are useless on the court, and are just, like, they're so uh, beloved in the locker room or just have the team dynamics. The thing with DJ is he's only been there for, like, you know, three weeks. (laughs) Like, I mean, he is a really widely respected veteran. Everybody loves DJ. It's why he's still in the NBA. But, like... He hasn't been there long enough that I feel like you can't cut him. Whether Morry will, I I doubt. It probably is the smart. It's the smart play. Um, Millsap is is more interesting because he's not. He is kind of a Doc guy in that he's just been around for forever and like Doc coached against him and Doc has you know for like seventeen years or however long Millsap's been in the NBA. But I don't think he's like a Doc guy like that. I I think you probably could get away with cutting Millsap, but. Again, I don't think he will. I just think from a it's a bad look to cut a
0: guy yes. this late into the season. Yes. Cause like I you guys just had to make the tough decision to cut Semi Ojole, who's not good, but Brutal. but he's bad, but he is a guy who's been in the league for a few years. And on top of that, now that you guys release him at this time of the year, he can't even sign with another team for the playoffs. And like Not that Semi Ogilvy would be cracking playoff rotations, but a lot of the times uh, this late into the year, especially a guy with Maury who has a pretty bad player rep already, is not going to just be like, oh, we'll cut these veteran guys who are well-respected way more so than Semi Ogilvy. Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan have actually had great NBA careers. And you don't want to upset any agents and you don't want to upset any players and say, why did they do that? Like, he can't even go sign with a team that's that's going to make a playoff run now. Like So I get it from that perspective. But you didn't have to acquire these guys in the first place is my big problem with that. Because you had the choice and you chose to do this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. Like, I, it is a lot on Maury. I mean, it's more on Doc because he's the actual coach and he can just not play these guys. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Maury should have known better. And who knows what pressure was on him for DJ? Like, I, it seemed like that's the guy he actually wanted. Um, you know, Harden did, of course, play with him in Brooklyn for a little bit and must have also recommended him and signed off on him. But um, it is it is. It was a very confusing signing. I mean, I didn't like the Willie Cauley-Stein signing either, but like he's much better than DeAndre Jordan. He's much better than Paul Millsap. Like, you could have just kept him. I mean, I I don't think he's a guy you want to play. I, does he solve the issues? He's just, not really. Yeah, I think he's just physically
0: cooked. Like, I think that he, yeah. he, he, he had an injury or something. He just, okay. like, apparently did not look good at all this year, which, once again, what's the difference? <laughs> like, yeah. What's, yeah. DeAndre Jordan and Millsap are also experiencing the same thing. They can't jump off of the ground.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. It is brutal. Like DeAndre, it's so funny because he his rebounding numbers still look really good a lot of the time, and it's like, but he just moves. It's like, how is he getting these? It's just because yep. he's massive. He's just super yeah. tall, and he does no positioning. Like he is in the right place, but like he just cannot. He cannot move at all anywhere. Right. It's it's really bad. And
0: my thing with with Reed and Bassie is like, I'm not even a big Paul Reed guy. Like I think that Paul Reed is one of those guys that would probably. Th- flourish in a situation like Oklahoma City uh team that's like kind of bad where he can just like learn from his mistakes and develop yep, yep. into a player like i think that that's kind of an ideal situation for him i think bassie's probably more of a plug and play backup center will do those kind of things but both of them are going to do the things that deandre jordan and paul millsap can do which is they're both going to rebound they're both going to if you play them at the five paul reed should know where to be positionally like as a defender he's a little bit all over the place when you try to play him with another center he's kind of just not a super high basketball iq but they will give you energy off the bench that you are seeking from these other guys and my whole thing has been like i don't care if they suck i just want to see them suck like i want to see them go out there and like have the opportunity to be just as bad as the veterans. And once we got James Harden, we never got to see that at all. Like, we have not seen those two. We haven't seen Reed with Harden uh, at the five at all, not yep. one game. And then we haven't seen Bassie play literally at all except for garbage time. So yeah. it's really just like we, we are stuck with the options that we currently have. And we know that it can swing a playoff game in a series because of, you know, the not in bead minutes, especially when James Harden isn't 100 percent healthy and can't carry like he used to be able to.
1: Yeah, I mean, this it reminds me so much of of some of the the mid the early actually is technically the early Doc Clutters years when they had these late first round picks and just never played. You know, Reggie Bullock was a guy. um, He's the only one of them who actually turned out to be good. um, And but. You know, he never played for the Clippers. He got, every once in a while, he'd get a rotation minute when, you know, J.J. Redick was out or Chris Paul was out or whatever. I mean, he didn't look very good. I don't know if anybody really would have thought, like, this is a guy who's going to have a 10-year career and make, like, $80 million or whatever across multiple contracts, but, like... They didn't know they never knew, and same with CJ Wilcox, who unfortunately had like three ACL tears and just never got his crew off the ground. Like Bryce Johnson, who is actually just playing in like a second tier Korean league or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> better than Ben Simmons, though. Oh, yeah, hilarious. Michael um, woman. but yeah, like they just never played, they never ever played, and you know, fans were always like, We don't know. And that's where the tricky part comes in. It's like these guys do get seen in practice. And, like, from Bryce Johnson was just, like, not good. They're like, this guy is just not good. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a first-arm pick, and they declined, like, not his second-year option, but his third-year option, like, right away. And they just – I think they traded him as a throw into some deal. Like, just – they barely even invested in him. As soon as they saw him play extensively, they're like, this guy isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know if that's the case with Bassy and Reed. I would guess not because they have played more than like Bryce did or Diamond Stone or name a, a random clipper from that era. Um, Dude, okay, I just just to interrupt you, sorry, but like we
0: saw Bassy play good defense on Jokic earlier yes. this year. I yeah. saw that with my eyes. I was losing my <laughs> mind at during our live podcast when we did this. I saw Paul Reed play good defense on Giannis, like. I'm not saying these guys are even fucking good. I'm oh, just sure, saying yeah. I've seen them have moments, stretches, games that show me that they at least have should have a shot at an NBA rotation. And there's nothing that Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan, except for maybe slight moments, have shown me that they should be playing over them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a zero it just there's zero upside with those guys. There is some upside with Rita Bass. You never know, like one of those guys, something could click. Like, I mean. Neither of them is nearly as good as Tyrese Maxey, uh, obviously, but like Maxey had that game against the Hawks where it was like he saved the Sixers and like he didn't have an yep. amazing rookie year. Like he was good. Yeah, he showed a lot of promise, but like he wasn't nobody thought he'd be like this this year. No. And it's like you never know. Like if you play Paul Reed, maybe he has like a seven rebound in three minute stretch where he just gobbles up rebounds. Does some random stuff defensively, like you, or Bassi throws down like two dunks. Like these are guys who can, like DJ and, and Millsap, they're they're cooked, they're they're absolutely they cooked. They have no upside, they're you know, they're not going to do anything. It's it's really bad.
0: Yep, and we've seen it now. I mean, I said it when we, we got them and I knew that this would happen. I was willing to give Paul Millsap at least a little bit of a shot because at least Paul Millsap was in a playoff rotation like two years ago. Like DeAndre Jordan hasn't been good or in a playoff rotation in uh, five years. Like like when was the last time you were like, oh, DeAndre Jordan just had a really good game. Like I knew that from the jump, this wasn't going to work. And this is something that I've been trying to like hopefully avoid because i've been a little bit more positive about the team overall recently coming out of the suns and the bucks game like i didn't f- i actually don't feel bad about the team overall mm-hmm. like it's really just doc and the backup center thing that i don't think are solvable like i think that both of them are going to be the weaknesses of this team and could be the downfall of this team but i think that like everyone had this doomer mindset whereas like mike Chiotto pointed out to me and like has has said it multiple times. Like if Harden hits that step back or Joel puts that bucket in and we go to overtime or we win the game in regulation, like the narrative is we're t- we're contenders. And because that shot doesn't go in, it's oh the Sixers choked away another game. Oh, like you know they're not real contenders. And I'm like I don't know. Like they just went up against the Suns who were the best team in the NBA this season and played really well. The only thing about the Bucks is that the Bucks don't really give a shit for the first three and a half quarters of a game. And then they turned it on in the fourth. Like they're a weird team because they're not dominant in like a Warriors, mm-hmm. like what we're used to in terms of like yeah. really good teams. Like they're kind of just like, like they don't fuck up down the stretch. They play really hard defense. And when they care, they will probably beat you. And it is one of those things where I think that the Sixers should feel pretty good about the fact that like the only thing that sucks is like I think they're 10 and 5 now with Harden and like four of their losses are against really good teams and then like they only have like two like good wins. And but also, once again, all of those games came down to the the end except for the Nets game. So you would hope. That like they can take some positives from these games and head into the playoffs with like we can compete with any one mindset instead of like, you know, the wheels are falling off as as I said earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty encouraged by the Sixers. I mean, I, I don't think a a championship run will happen this year. I do think even outside of the backup center, I think a lot of the rest of the roster is not ideal. Um, I yeah. think you can cobble together um, you know, a pretty good rotation with everybody else, but like it is a lot of guys who on a game-to-game basis have a lot of variants. Like, is Shake Milton or Furkan Korkmaz going to be good in any particular game? I have no idea. The Sixers probably have no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, Danny Green has looked cooked at, at times. I still trust him. I'm a Danny Green truther. Um, I think
0: he's been great recently. I think he's yeah. had, like, four or five games where I'm like, it, he yeah. looks like last year's version of Danny Green.
1: Yeah, and, like, maybe that's the answer for, like, the fifth closing spot. Um, you know, Harris has, you know, Tobias has played better recently. I mean, the thing with Tobias is just so funny because he's just so overpaid, but like he'll be fine, like he'll do, he'll play, he'll show up, he'll play hard, he'll make some threes. Like he's playable in any series, basically. Um, the fact that he's like their ideal big forward stopper is is not good. It's not yeah. good at all. Um, but again, like that's something that I think you can retool over the summer. Um, I've been very encouraged, like the Maxi Harden MP trio to me has looked really good. Um, Harris is like the most overpaid fourth option in the NBA. But like in that role, he's been mostly pretty fine. Uh, I thought his defense just...
0: on Giannis was pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, Giannis was yeah. hitting tough shots, but like if Giannis is going to hit tough shots, he's unstoppable.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's overall played you know pretty well, you know, in in the past couple of weeks. So I, I'm I'm mostly encouraged by the Sixers. I I certainly don't think they're favorites to come out of the East, but like especially with the Robert Williams news, like I don't. The only team that seems like that it, I would really be worried is is the Bucks. Um, without Robert Williams, I don't know if the Celtics are like a top tier team. And then like the Heat frauds, uh, <laughs> don't deserve any other analysis. Uh, the Nets... <laughs> Are uh, are just a a mess. Um, I actually and... just
0: recorded. I recorded a Heat slander pod, and then they went two and zero, and they beat the Celtics. Although they didn't have Rob Williams.
1: So. Yeah, I I just oh God, I hate them so much. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean the, the East is is has fallen off. Like, in for a lot of the years, like oh, the East is great, and it's like, well, the Cavs are banged up; they're not playing well. The Bulls still don't have Lonzo Ball. There, there was an update that he is working as he's ramping back up starting today, but like he's not going to be at one hundred percent. They're they haven't played very well in months. Like the rather, I hate the Raptors too. Like they're just so weird and annoying to play against. I don't they're know if they have half. enough offense to really make a deep run, but like the East isn't that great. Like the Sixers, I think could definitely make a, a conference finals run depending on who they play. But like the Bucks are the team that I just I yeah I, I would not I, I don't no team in the NBA should want to play the Bucks ever. Yeah, um, and I I do think that. Um, you know, they don't have a bigger forward, which is kind of the the, the Sixers' biggest weakness defensively. Like KD, like whose guard is it gonna be Tobias on KD? That's that's brutal.
0: He'll probably have to be Thibault, to be honest. And Thibel is like has proven to not be play like the Bucks have figured out a way to just play Thibault off the court. Yeah. Like they've basically like we're net like when I say they don't guard him, I'm saying they're not putting anyone like they don't even pretend to guard him. They're literally just like, Yeah, whatever. You stay over here, we'll double team Joel every time he touches it, we'll double team Harden on drives, we'll make we'll make sure that the- those guys can't beat us and we'll make Matisse Thibel his. Open threes to beat us, and that's honestly not going to happen. So, yeah, so kind of just before we like move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. the one thing that has been brought up is, um, you know, the, like once again, I think that the Sixers, I totally agree with your analysis. I think they could make a conference finals run, I think they'd need luck matchup wise, and I think they'd need luck injury wise in order to make a real run towards the finals. I think, yeah. I think, like, my thing about the Bucks is, like, they have proven the last two seasons they don't give a shit about the regular season, and they can turn it on when they need to, and that is what scares me. Like, to me, they they are the team that most obviously has a level to go up in the playoffs. Like, the Nets have been playing for two to three weeks like they have to win every game because they, they kind of have
1: to. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> the Celtics have been, you know, because of the Robert Williams thing, like, you could argue he's their second or third most important player, depending on, like... like Jalen Brown slander. It's not even, like, you know, I, I like Jalen, and he's really good, but, like, to me... The thing that made like their defense without Robert Williams is very good. Their defense with Robert Williams it's is terrifying. elite. Yeah, and then on top of that, you sh- they showed exactly why he's so important. Not only to their defense, but to their offense last night. Because one, they didn't have an answer for Bam on the uh, on on the other end. Like Bam mm-hmm. was getting whatever he wanted, and like Robert Williams would make sure that did not happen. And then the second part is because Miami kind of runs like this heavy switching system. They they were they switch on a, a ton and basically like Robert Williams being that vertical spacing threat is something that like they're just gonna like Tice and Horford are perfectly fine, but they're not gonna give you the rim protection and the vertical spacing threat yeah. that Robert Williams does that makes that offense and that defense so potent. So we'll see if he can come back if he can come back in the second round that's a matchup that the sixers should try to avoid at all costs i think mm-hmm. that i think that like i would probably put the celtics and the bucks healthy in their own tier just based on what they've shown us this year and i'd probably put the sixers and the nets in the tier below that just because there's so many question marks around them but because of the robert williams injury that definitely changes things in the eastern conference and i think that the like I've just seen the Celtics get have to have injuries and then still win in the playoffs so many times that like they lost Hayward, they lost Hayward and Kyrie the one year like like they always seem to just figure out a way to overcome injuries in a way that other teams cannot and uh I, it's still a matchup I wouldn't want for the Sixers especially yeah. if by the second round Robert Williams can come back but kind of just talking about the Sixers vibes in general like the whole doc thing with Embiid going into the press conference and saying what he said about I should have been on the floor when Giannis was, which uh, obviously he should have been. They should have been pairing his minutes, <laughs> but they didn't do that. And then Waz from The Ringer, who um, he's a big fan of mine, um, has um, goes on his podcast. Basically, Waz shits on the Sixers all the time. And I'm a large part of the reason because I dig up his sure. old takes that age poorly about like Tyrese Maxey and stuff. But Waz was... Being honest today and like people were like, oh, he might just be making this up because he's a Sixers hater. I'm like, no, I don't think he would make something like this up. He was talking about how when the Sixers were in LA recently, he ran into a Sixers player that he knows when he was out to dinner. And basically, they said, he said to them, I can't pick you guys to come out of the East this year. Like I just it was after the Nets game. And he was like, I just don't see it with this team like You know, Harden and Beat are really good, but like the East is tough and blah, blah, blah. And the player said to him, You know, I wouldn't pick us either. (laughs) And I'm fairly certain that player was Danny Green because I have heard all season that Danny has not been happy with his rotation. Also, someone dug up his uh, that was had Danny on his Twitch stream uh, not that long ago, like a year or two ago. And so I was pretty certain. But once again, going back to the Doc Rivers thing is like, like I know Danny has been upset with the fact that he he kind of like lost minutes and stuff but like it really does feel like in order to like go on a run to the finals like what what we just saw with the heat the reason why I never believed in the heat is for on court reasons but once I saw Spo and Jimmy getting into it I was like there's no fucking way I believe in this team at all yeah, and yeah. I feel like you have to re- like what the bucks do really well is like they all get along they're all like you know, like, they support the players and the coaches and whatever. And, like, if there's a veteran locker room guy, especially someone like Danny Green, who I think it is, saying this stuff, that's not great when you're trying to forecast a playoff run.
1: <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's Danny Green, I mean, Danny Green's, like, you're the, the only good real veteran who's still playing, like, really. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would trust his opinion on a team's ability. I mean, he's one— Three, three three championships uh two championships i can't um yeah three on three different teams he's been around some of the best nba players of all time uh if he doesn't think this team has it that's that's a, a very bad sign
0: <laughs> yep and also a week ago on his podcast i was like danny can you please just, just shut the fuck up until after the season like he goes on there and he says uh the Celt- he before robert williams gets hurt he said i think the celtics could win the east and i'm like what like <laughs> You're you're on a team that's playing right now. <laughs> what are you doing? Like oh, so so overall, while I feel as though the Sixers could have some things break their way, I don't feel great about that aspect of it. But it also that and was even mentioned in his comments while he said this was a lot of the times when I talk to players and they're upset with a team or a coach or whatever it's because they're not getting enough minutes and they're not getting enough run or their, their role isn't bigger or whatever. And that's exactly what has happened with Danny this year. It's like, I've heard these yeah. things kind of behind the scenes. And like, ultimately I think that I personally think the Sixers are better with Danny Green starting than with Matisse thibault And Agreed. it's not, and it's not that it's not that Theibel it doesn't bring something to like in certain matchups. You might have to start Thibault because of the things that we talked about, where like defensively, like Danny just can't hang the way that he used to. But half court offense wise, Danny Green and and Maxi spacing in the corners with Harden and Embiid running pick and roll there's it's kind of a pick your poison situation where the Sixers will have the shooters to make it so that their half court offense is unstoppable and i personally think that if it even if it just makes him happier <laughs> like just put mm-hmm. him in the starting lineup like just put him in the starting lineup to make him happier like you said he's a veteran locker room guy if he sucks you can do what you do with Thibodeau and just pull him and like he's having a bad game he, he's having an off night like to me I think it's important to have guys who have proven that they can play in the playoffs and guys who have been part of championship cores to be there, especially when it's a veteran guy who you're trying to keep happy and isn't super washed like DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap.
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, I would definitely start him. I'm I, like is His defense is insane, but. Yeah, the offense is is a big issue against a lot of matchups. I I really I don't know how much he can really hang on the floor deep in deep playoff runs. Like it depends on the opponent, I guess. Like against the Nets, like you probably have to have him on there yes. to guard Kyrie um, or or KD, like against the Celtics, like but I yeah, I just don't know. I mean, it's it's a big I mean, it's why I think they're like I just don't quite believe in them as a championship team this year unless things really break their way cuz like you kind of need him but he's also a big liability on one half of the court and those guys exactly. are really tough against the best teams in a in a you know 7 game series
0: Hundred percent. Like th- they will scheme. They will scheme him yep. out of your rotation. And actually, I thought Doc's comments and I, Spike Eskin actually nailed this a few years ago when he was talking about Thibault. And he basically said he's kind of like uh, the defensive version of Lou Williams, where like he comes off the bench, he's an energy guy, and he'll have these big flashy plays, but also he's gonna ha- he has a lot of weaknesses in his game, and. Doc actually used that analogy recently. And he said, look, when Lou will was coming off the bench, we needed him to be a score playmaker. And when he was having games where he couldn't do that, we had to pull him because he just wasn't able to give us that kind of production that we needed from that spot. And that's what he's like. like I said, the bucks have already figured out a way to like, the has played, I think between the last two bucks games, I think he's played a total of 35 minutes in those two games because doc realizes early he can't play them. And I think that, To me, Danny could be a bit – like, if Danny plays like we know that Danny can play, that's a big swing piece for the Sixers just because, once again, Doc might not shorten the rotations. But if he does shorten the rotations, then having five guys you can trust – I mean, the recent version of Tobias we can probably trust a little bit more. So you have your five starters you can trust – and then you're just – it basically is just like who's feeling it that night. Let's go with yep. Shake. Let's go with Furkin, Let's go with Theibel. Let's go with Niang. Like you have options coming off of the bench and try to figure that out as you go and which works for best each, – for each matchup, which, once again, don't have a ton of confidence in. But they at least I, – I feel a little bit better about the depth than I did before, and ultimately it will probably come down to Harden or Embiid carrying us. So this, this is yeah. – this is really going to be a, a defining season, I think, for both of their legacies. As I've said, like time and time again, like if there's another playoff flame out. You know, they'll they'll give it a little bit more time to kind of figure things out. But ultimately, those two guys are the are the ones that are going to have to carry and do a real carry job uh, in, in this playoffs. But let's move on to. The Clippers-Jazz game the other night, which, holy shit, my God, I was watching that game, and I just want to say I feel so bad. I have a coworker. I was working that night, Mm -hmm. and my coworker in the call had a, a bet slip, and on his bet slip, he had Donovan Mitchell to score 25 and the Jazz to win, and when Donovan Mitchell scored 25, they were up 25 points in that game. And I was like, never trust the Jazz. You have not won yet. The Jazz are playing mm-hmm. the Clippers. They might have PTSD from the last playoff series that they played in. Like, I don't think the Clippers are going to take their foot off the gas because I just watched the Sixers blow a lead to the Clippers a few weeks ago, and this team just never gives up. Mm-hmm. How did the, how did that happen again? Like, what the fuck is going on with the Jazz, and how do the Clippers just keep doing this to them? And Paul George's first game back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there might be a little bit of a psychological element. I, I generally hesitate to call teams like soft or weak or whatever. Uh, this Jazz team, I they just don't have very good vibes, maybe more than like soft or weak, because I, I don't really know, like I, I wouldn't necessarily label a lot of their key guys that way. I just don't think the vibes are good there. Like the, the Rudy Donovan stuff has been boiling for years and years and years. And like, as we've seen in Lob City, when that happens, there's at least something there it it's probably not as dramatic as like they hate each other or, like they can't stand each other It's just they don't they don't get along very well they probably kind of wish that each, one of like that each of them was the main guy instead of like a co guy sixers um, fans could understand that yeah exactly it's like i i don't think there's like animosity there necessarily but I, the vibes are just not very good there and this is just... They felt like a team for a couple months now that just knows that it's its very much like Lob City. Actually, the parallels are super similar. They know that the end is coming. They know that they are not as good as the other top teams. They just don't have that talent. They don't have the depth. They've been played out. You know, I, I just... I don't see it with them. And I, I don't know... You know the Clippers game, is, I think it's partially a little bit just like maybe they got in their own heads a little bit, but like it's the same issues that they saw that we saw last year and they had a horrible offseason. Like, I like Rudy Gay, he's I wouldn't say a favorite NBA player, but he's had like a really fun career. Um, he's still like a useful guy, but like he's not what they needed. You know, Hassan Whiteside is not what they needed. Like, their perimeter defense is terrible, they they have no plus, like Royce O'Neill's their only plus perimeter defender, like maybe Mike Conley, but he's undersized. And like Royce O'Neill is not a stopper, he's not a guy who can anchor like a perimeter defense. And it's just like they they just can't stop guys on the perimeter. It's like it's not Rudy Gobert's fault, you know. I I I think some of the stuff on offense where like he can't punish switches, that is on him, yeah. but like that's not really their issue. Like their offense is is mostly fine, it's like they they can't play defense on the perimeter, they can't get in front of anybody. Uh losing Ingalls, who's not like a great defender, but at least he has size, he's smart. That was a blow. They replaced him with like Nikhil Alexander Walker, who's like not in the rotation. Like I they've had some very questionable decisions the past couple, you know, seasons. And um, yeah, I mean, I I was I thought they'd be a really good regular season team, but I after last postseason, I, I gave up on this core being anything in the playoffs, and I've seen nothing to to go against that. Like, I mean, they could beat almost any team i think in a playoff series um like i really I, if they're if Donovan Mitchell's hot like and their three their threes are falling like it can beat almost anybody i don't think they beat the suns but like i think they could beat any other team in the west maybe um in just one playoff series but their on defense just court.
0: like that's like you feel like on the court that makes sense but i feel like once again we're yes. talking about like the vibes of everything and like vibes like yeah it's yeah. like unless you have Kobe Shaq level talent out there unless you have Guys who are Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, like you, there's a certain level that you need to be able to, of talent, you need to be able to overcome the weirdness of the whole situation. Right. And there is like, even if it isn't like we, I fucking hate Donovan Mitchell or I fucking hate Rudy Gobert. There's clearly some tension there. And it was in the fucking post game comments. Like, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. the same fucking thing as last year, you know, basically rudy's saying you know we're not getting our hands dirty earlier this year he said you know i wish that some players on our team would focus on defense more like devin booker like like uh, the comments that that are being made are just shade thrown back and forth the entire season at each other it's and beautiful. it it is funny to me because i i went back and i listened to our preseason podcast and we basically basically both said the same thing which is We both think they're going to be a really good regular season team. We both had them like first or second, and we felt as though it was going to kind of be that same machine that it was last year. And then in the playoffs, the only way that they can make a run or like prove that they're better is through Donovan Mitchell getting better. And I think he has gotten better every year. Like I actually think he's really, really good now. And I was always more of a Donovan Mitchell skeptic really until the playoffs last year was when I like started to kind of come around on the idea of him being like a real top 15 type player in the NBA. And it feels as though this team is on the verge of just completely blowing it up because I think that like all of the stuff that we talked about with the animosity, the fact that they, they didn't even try to get any perimeter defenders. Like they didn't even try to get a guy like you, you guys, and I know that Robert Covington also not a stopper, not a guy who is going to like. You can't put him on the best option on the other team, and he's going to shut sure. him down. But he's going to help your team defense. Like he's going to be, yeah. he's going he's gonna to make your defense better. He just he's been he's done that on every team that he's ever played for, and he's already done that. And you guys got him basically as a throw-in in that
1: trade. It is pretty crazy. I, I don't. It, The Robert, Robert Covington's value saga has been very, very weird. He was like, he was like, I love Robert Covington. I have, you know, since his days on the process Sixers, but he was definitely overvalued a few years ago. For sure. Absolutely. But like, it it was like people like in the mainstream media, like, you know, Zach Lowe and others were like, oh, like, you know, Robert Covington, like not, maybe not that good. Like teams have kind of figured him out. And it's, you know, I didn't watch much of the Blazers this year because they were like a dumpster fire But as soon as he got to the Clippers, like, this guy is not even close to wash. (laughs) He's really good. He's still extremely good defensively. He is like top five hands in the NBA. He's always getting steals and blocks. He, he like, like the point of attack was never a strong point of his, and it's not good. now. Like he's below average there, I would say, but like, he's also a solid rebounder. He will move the ball. He takes a lot of threes. He's not like a sniper, but he will take a lot of threes. Like, I just don't get it. Like they got him for a throw in. I feel like other teams could have gotten him for like a couple second round picks, maybe like a really yeah. heavily protected first. And I guess there was just like no interest. I, it, it's very confusing to me um, because he has been, he after the trade, he was the Clippers best player over the last month. Like, I, which is saying a lot about the Clippers, but like, you know, he was amazing on defense and still contributing on offense. And yeah, I mean, the, the jazz would be, much better if they had him compared to like Nikhil Alexander Walker. I mean they made a trade with the Blazers and that's what and I'm it, saying. Yeah, yeah. I it yeah, it's it's very weird.
0: It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like yeah. you had the opportunity, like you said, you probably could have gotten him for Joe, you probably could have gotten Nikhil Alexander Walker and Robert Covington for Joe Ingles and a heavily protected first round pick,
1: like sure. You said. Like, definitely. like you could yeah.
0: like, like, like what are you doing? Like you yeah. could have at least give yourself a shot, like and also. Another thing, like, I feel like Robert Covington would fit in really well with that system because they yep. need wings. They need guys who know when to shoot and when to keep the ball moving. Their their team defense could use some work. Like, they can't just rely on Rudy to be everything all the time. Like, I just don't really understand why. I I don't understand why the Sixers weren't all over bringing Robert Covington You would back. make a
1: lot of sense for the Sixers. Dude,
0: like, what are we doing? Like, I know that well, we were caught up with the whole Harden thing, and yeah. we probably weren't making any moves, but, like, I would have gladly given up Danny green and a protected first to get a better version of what Danny green is now. Like, like that, that's kind of big. And like, I was never the biggest Covington guy. I think that in the playoffs, his weaknesses can show, but, but you need guys that fill that role. And Mm -hmm. once again, he would be like a fifth starter, maybe like the first man off the bench for the Sixers. And it doesn't really make any sense to me that this guy kind of went for nothing and the Jazz and the Sixers and these teams that are kind of very desperate for two-way wings were just like we're good. And the and the Clippers were just like we already have seven two-way wings but we want nine.
1: <laughs> well, I, all they need to do now is trade Marcus Morris and uh clear clear some room for for coming Well, he's going
0: to be a Sixer next year, so don't you worry about that. It feels like it feels like a move that will be made.
1: Philly I would, to be fair, love Marcus Morris. For um, sure. He's a Philly guy, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could actually kind of see that paying out well as long as he doesn't – as if they don't have Doc coaching, if they have a different coach, I could actually see Marcus Morris working there. But if it is Doc, he's going to play like 35 minutes a game, and it's going to be terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually a very good point. But I'm just thinking, like, we need a big wing four type who can, sh- who will just put up a ton of threes and like not really yep. think about, I know his defense is falling off a little bit, but like, once again, we're, we have George Niang. Like, it's like, it's not like our defensive options to and George aren't, aren't that great uh, defensively. But so, so I just want to kind of talk a little bit more about like the teams that could potentially blow it up. So this is, yeah. as I said, kind of a ringer Bill Simmonsy situation here where, there are a handful of teams in the NBA. I came up with my three teams, I think, are most likely to blow it up this offseason. So I think the Sixers bought themselves time with the hardened trade. Mm-hmm. I think that all the teams that would be kind of prime candidates for this, and like when I say blow it up, I mean get rid of one of your two best players and reconfigure the roster. I think the Sixers will blow it up in a, we'll get rid of role, we'll, we'll bring in new role players, we'll move guys around, we'll figure things out. I think that there are three teams of the jazz being number one for me. I think the, if yeah. the yeah, jazz moves yeah. in the first round of the playoffs, one of Rudy or Donovan are on a different it's team gone. next year. Yeah. My guess would be it's Rudy only because I think that they, the jazz are like, we finally have a marketable star in this market. Like we're going to hold on to him for as long as we can. And I think that Rudy, although Rudy's contract makes him a little bit hard to trade, there should be teams like, Another thing Mike Chiato brought up to me, which was like, as much as I'm a Rudy hater, like he fits on a lot of teams because he's just like a one, a one man defense, especially during the regular season, his defense is crazy valuable. And then on top of that, he's just like a role threat who will fit with any star basically that can run pick and rolls. So they're number one on, on there. This I'm mad that the ringer brought this up on that podcast Because I had an idea for a trade, and I think a few people have had this idea. I don't think it's an original thought of mine, but it's basically my team who I have third on here, most likely to blow it up, which is the Atlanta Hawks. They make a trade for Rudy Gobert because you have someone who can cover up Trey's bad defense. You can get, they want to move John Collins anyway. So you could move like John Collins, Clint Capella and maybe someone else in picks for Rudy. And then you have the Rudy-Trey combo in Atlanta, and then you can try to rebuild with more athletic, you know, kind of a, a diet version of Rudy and Capella if he can ever get healthy again. And Collins, who can be kind of that four or five who can shoot and catch lobs and do all that stuff. So so first off, what do you think? Of, first off, I definitely think the Jazz are going to blow it up after this season, but what do you think of that kind of trade?
1: I mean, I like that. I mean, the Hawks would have been on my list as well. I think they're, I think I I can think of three others. So I would have five that are potential candidates. The Hawks would definitely be two or three for me, though, um, because their season has been, you know, very disappointing. And Capella's been one of the big reasons why he's still been good, but he's been way worse than he was last year when he was like an all NBA level guy, um, basically, an all defense level guy. I think that makes sense. Like Collins and Capella. I don't know if you'd even need to throw in anything else, maybe like a pick or two or, or maybe one of their like random young guys. But um, yeah, I think it makes sense for both teams. I think like Collins, Capella, Mitchell would be kind of fun. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's nobody better in the NBA to cover up. Trey Young's weaknesses than Rudy Gobert. I mean, maybe like Giannis or, or yeah. Embiid are, are up there, but yeah. like any of those guys, like, so I, I like that a lot. And I think the Hawks are a prime candidate. Like I, some of their young guys have just not panned out. Like Gallinari and Lou Williams are, are aging. Uh, Bogdanovich has been hobbled this year. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I was never very high on. He has not had a great season. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I do think that they are they're kind of a prime candidate. I do I like that trade. I think it would it would work well for both teams. Yeah,
0: I think that both of those teams will probably shake it up after the season, and it just makes it just makes sense because, like, once again, when you're trying to find someone to take on Rudy Gobert's massive contract, it isn't easy to find teams that have a ton of tradable salary and players that mm-hmm. the Jazz would actually want. And it is Danny Ainge, who Danny Ainge is now rut- helping run things there, and he was apparently a big fan of John Collins and tried to get him on the Celtics. Hmm. So like there's at least some connection there. Uh, it is funny that ever since Danny Ainge got there, someone pointed out the jazz have went from like being, I mean, a lot of it was just injuries and like, but maybe Danny Ainge is just bringing bad vibes is my point. I hope because so. Because he- <laughs> he, he, the team has not been very good. So you said you had three other teams you sought. I'm going to say my second team, which is, I think the Miami heat. So I yes. think that the, I, and it's not just cause I'm a heat hater and I did this whole podcast last episode about it, but like, I think that Miami being the market that they are having the development staff that they do, having expo always finding guys on the margins that they would be like, they could trade Jimmy Butler after the season, or they could trade like seeing an opportunity in the trade market by saying, look, this team's going fucking nowhere. We have Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry who could contribute to contenders immediately. We're not going to be a contender, but we have Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and then hopefully we can try to recoup some draft picks and young players to rebuild around those guys. And then maybe try to recruit a star in free agency eventually. Cause I don't think there's going to be a ton of stars available this summer. Like, I don't like, I, there isn't like a ton of obvious names to me. And they might see that opportunity as like, look, we could trade both of these guys and they could contribute to other teams. And we could maybe rebuild our team down here. And I think that if the Heat lose in the first, or they, it's they either going to lose in the first round of the Nets, or they got to get fucking destroyed by the Bucks again, or something. Like they got to, like they got to prove that, like, like the way they played against the Celtics last night. Like, if they play like that in the playoffs and they're competing every game, I don't think they're going to blow it up. But I think yeah, if they yeah, just yeah. get fucking embarrassed, I think that they're like, yeah, we're we're, so. we're done with this core. Oh, so
1: would be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think Butler. I might not have said this a few weeks ago. I mean, I think it still would have made sense timeline wise, but I mean the the Butler Spo argument, um, you know, something seems a little off there. And Jimmy always wears out his welcome, um, you know, after a few seasons, and it's it's right about that time in Miami. So, um, I mean, I, I, it is tough. I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing there will certainly be teams that will be interested in Jimmy Butler. Um, it would be interesting to see who. Um, I think there are some teams who'd be scared of of taking him on because of the personality, but also because he's old and injury prone and doesn't shoot threes, um, and his like his is offense is falling off. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be really interesting. But he were those are those are also my top three. I just have two other. One of them might not even count. Um, But yeah.
0: All right, so before we get into that, I do just want to say we forgot to mention this last episode I had Nihilus Bucks on, and we talked about what team would be crazy enough to trade for Jimmy Butler after another burnout with another team if things didn't work out. And we forgot the most obvious one of all, which is the New York Knicks. Like, oh, yeah. The Knicks are – they have Thibs as their coach. They've been – like he would be – as much as Jimmy has his flaws and all the things we've talked about, he would be the best Nick they've had since Melo. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think that a trade where like, I mean, I don't think that they would do like, I don't think the heat would want Randall, but like a trade where you're sending out Randall's contract plus picks and young players and stuff to get Jimmy there to try to like maybe recruit people, which is funny because he seems to clash with everyone everywhere he goes. But that just there's a lot of connections there. And it does seem like a very Knicks move that they would do. So so that's definitely a chance. So who are your other two teams? Because I thought of some teams, but I think we're going to have one team in common that I didn't include on this list. And the reason I didn't include them was because I don't think they're going to move one of their top two players.
1: But who who would you say are are likely on that list? I Likely is a stretch. I mean, it would be hilarious if the Lakers traded yes. Anthony Davis. Yes! Uh, Uh, I I don't think it'll happen. But I think there is a scenario. I mean, this season has been a a glorious, glorious, sweet disaster for the Lakers. (laughs) Um, Could have been predicted. I I don't think anybody could have predicted this. No. Um,
0: No, I went back and listened to our preseason podcast,
1: and we both had the Lakers
0: as our three seed. And we said, we don't think it blows up until the playoffs. But you brought up and you said on there – this The Lakers do have a chance of just sucking this year. And I was like, I feel like in the back of my brain, I feel the same thing, but I don't want to deny LeBron James. Sure. That was our whole thing was like, we don't want to deny LeBron until he shows us. And he has clearly shown that he, he's still very good, but not good enough to carry the way that he used to. So, yeah, I, so I agree with you. On,
1: yeah. on a tangent, the Arnavitz on low he's like LeBron deserves a first team on i I'm like, Yo, get. Out of here, get out of Jones. here. He, I don't know if he'd make any of the All NBA teams. Um, for me, he probably should, but like, I, I don't Her know. Team? Would. Maybe, like, sure. I'd put Pascal over bad. him.
0: What the forward depth with All oh, NBA yeah. this year is not very good, so he would I probably mean, would put be. Pascal Siakam over him. Then you probably wouldn't have LeBron on your because that I was mean, the last spot we couldn't think of. Was like because we yeah. had we had Jimmy on the set, we had Jimmy on the third team. We had um shit. Who did we have on the cause the first team, I think it's prob if it comes down to it and Giannis and Jokic are included as first team, there's no way LeBron should be included on first team.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah.
0: No. And then second team, you would have Tatum. So Tatum's taking up the one forward. He's gonna body.
1: be on second team with Tatum. That's what's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Um
0: but like you could make the argument that he should be I I would still probably include him third team
1: but i think you could
0: make the argument that like
1: a siakam type could make it should make it over him yeah i mean i just but anyway like yeah i mean they've they've been a disaster and like maybe they 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 decide to trade anthony davis i, I don't think they will um to be clear but it's it's a possibility i all butts are off with them i mean and i just True. you don't know what lebron is thinking they probably don't know what lebron is thinking if they think lebron is gone and, like, they don't trust Anthony Davis to be their number one option going forward, which I wouldn't. Like, one, he's no. not that good of a player. And, two, he's always injured. And, three, I mean, he's he's getting up, like, not up there, up there. But, like, he's, you know, he's has a few years maybe of super top tier left.
0: Um, he's pushing he 30 can... with a bunch of injuries. Like
1: Yeah, like, and if they know LeBron is going in the next year or two, why not try to recoup as much value for AD as you can? Uh, maybe they don't think that value is there because he's missed so much of this year and it was kind of a down season for him. But like teams out there would definitely still trade a lot for Anthony Davis. Of course. Um, So I, it's possible. I, I wouldn't bet on it. But if they think LeBron is gone, I, I could see it. The other team, and I I don't know if it qualifies as blowing up. I think the Wizards might finally, finally let go of Bradley Beal. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's a free agent. I think he's too tightly tied to the organization I think to just leave them but I think they could work out a sign and trade um but yeah I that that's the other one and I don't know if that counts as blowing it up but like he's been their number one guy for a few years and like I think he could leave one way or another so
0: me and Marty Taylor Marty I have on the podcast a lot had a theory around the wizard stuff because the Sixers came up in being tied to Beal and yeah. like as much as, of course, I'd take Bradley Beal on the Sixers, I still don't really love the idea of, of that. If mm-hmm. you're, like, I mean, like, like, look, I'd take it. And I joked and I said, fuck it, get it. Like, I have Laker's brain, like, and I was like, whatever. <laughs> like, just give me every star and we'll figure out the rest later. Sure. It hasn't blown up on them or anything. But, so, I, I've basically said, like, yeah, of course, let's just fucking do it. But... Ultimately, what the Sixers really do need is like a power forward who can play point of attack defense and do whatever. And me and Marty had a common thought, which was like, the Heat are being tied to Bradley Beal now. And if the Wizards are like, look, we want to do some sort of sign and trade and we want to rebuild, the Sixers and the Heat both can offer picks.
1: Mm hmm
0: and the Sixers would be able to potentially dump Tobias Harris's contract somewhere or send it to the Wizards with young players and picks, and then the Sixers bring back Jimmy Butler, that was, like, where we were getting, like, really galaxy break Because, like, honestly, as much as Butler drives me insane and all of, like, the bullshit, whatever, he's friends with Joel Embiid. And on top of that, he would really fit a lot more on the Sixers than Bradley Beal would. So... I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Let that marinate a little bit, Sixers fans. We'll 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 see if, if anything like that were to happen. But Marty and I both had the thought of just like maybe Embiid's like let's get Jimmy back. Like I love Jimmy and like whatever. Although Harden Harden and Harden Jimmy in the locker room. Oh my god. Uh, yeah,
1: Harden Harden Jimmy seems like an absolute disaster waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. I that would be my hesitancy with them. Yep um is i just you would have to really clear with harden and butler and be like can you guys do it and they would both say yes of course and then it would be a disaster anyway um but (laughs) i mean from a from a fit and talent perspective i mean maxi harden jimmy and is i mean that's winning the championship if they're healthy yeah exactly
0: Um, It's, it's good enough to for sure yeah
1: um, but yeah, I if you count the Wizards moving, Beal is blowing it up. I mean, I think I, I really think they might actually finally trade him because their team is just none of their prospects are good. Like they I mean, they did trade for Porzingis, which is like they kind of want to compete, I guess. But like he's yeah. not that good. Like I I don't know. But I don't know if that counts as blowing it up, really.
0: Well, I think it does because I've I've thought about this and, like, I think the Nets could have done this if they took hard into the offseason. I think the the Wizards could do it with Beal where, like, you could see a circumstance where it's the first time we've seen... If Bradley Beal says, look, I want to go to Miami, I want to go to Philly, I want to go to one of these places, Boston, like, he includes a list of places, it could be a competitive sign-and-trade for the first time ever. Like, because no teams have cap space, so it could get to the point where he can dictate where he wants to go, but if he gives them a few teams, then those teams can compete, and Washington might be able to get back an actual return for him instead of just, like, getting a precious Achua, Goran Dragic-type return like the <laughs> the Raptors got for Kyle Lowry. Uh. So I I do think that, like, I think all of these things are long shots, but I think that of, of the ones that we mentioned, the Jazz and the Hawks and the Heat seem like the most like likely after this season, but I would love to see the other ones, especially because like, just give, especially with Washington, like just give your team some direction. Like oh, Bradley yeah. Beale's not going to turn down that extension because he's going to get paid the most money ever. And he's like the 29th, the 30th best player in the NBA. Like, of <laughs> course he's going to do it. Like he's not that level of guy and he should take the money, but yeah. It would be funny just to see just to see a little bit of craziness this offseason with that. But all right, let's talk a little bit about the let's just talk about your Western Conference contender tiers, because last episode I talked about my Eastern Conference ones. This was before Robert Williams got hurt. So I would probably move the Celtics down a tier. I think Milwaukee's in their own tier in the east now. I think that I would have the Sixers, Celtics and Nets in the second tier. And then from there, I don't really care. I don't think any team has a realistic shot to win the Eastern Conference. The West is a little bit different. Or I should say it is similar to the East in that I think there's one clear favorite. Yes. But I don't know what other teams really have a shot at winning the West because there's just a bunch of craziness after the number one seed Suns. So... What would be your contender tiers? Like, who would you say is the favorite? Who would you say is like has a shot? And like, who needs a bunch of shit to break the right way in order to win the West?
1: I mean, I, I tier one has to be the Suns. I mean, I I'm a huge Giannis respecter and a Bucks respecter in general. The Suns should be the favorite to win it all. Like, they I agree. 60, they are sixty-two and fourteen. They have actually not had great injury luck. They've missed a lot of their key guys a lot of the season. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson have all missed time. I think the only one of their top guys who's played like most of the season is Mikael Bridges. And But like all of these guys are having amazing seasons. Their depth campaign has fallen off a little bit. But like they're getting good minutes out of like JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo. Landry Shamit's having a solid season. Like they have. Enough like playable depth with like you know Torrey Craig can play a few minutes like
0: Cam Johnson,
1: um, you know Jay Crowder is still good like they they're just really good. Um, Devin Booker's taken a step up, which is is huge for them. Um, but like yeah, I I think they're the favorites to win it all, um, yeah. and certainly certainly the Western Conference um, tier two, I would say is. The Grizzlies and Warriors. I I'm tempted to put the Mavericks in there. I I just don't know with them. I they're such a weird team and they're having such a weird season. Like they made this trade to get Spencer Dimity, who is absolutely terrible in Washington. All of a sudden he's good for them. Yeah. Um, but they still don't really have a second guy. Like, I don't really trust a lot of their guys still. I mean, Luka is just so terrifying. I don't, I've, the Clippers have played him twice in playoff series. It's just, he's so good. It's unbelievable. Um, but I still don't really, Jason Kidd has been a good coach for them this year. I still don't know if I trust him in like playoff situations, like tactically when push comes to shove. Um, so I don't know if I can quite get there and the Warriors are just a huge wild card because it all depends on, on when Steph Curry comes back. Um, and if he comes back and he's, like, ready for the second round of the playoffs and, you know, he's, like, 100% or close to it, like, I mean, they could win the whole thing. Like, they could beat the Suns, certainly. I don't know if I'd pick them, um, but I, I think they They're the one they, team,
0: I think, that could, that could beat the Suns.
1: Yeah. The Grizzlies, I don't think, are quite there yet. Um, in terms of being able to knock off the Suns, so the Warriors are uh, maybe they're also in their own tier, honestly. And and it's like the Suns are in their own, then the Warriors are in their own, then the Grizzlies are in their own. See, um, I
0: could see the Grizzlies beating the Warriors, but I don't think I could see them beating the Suns. Like, yes, I could they be could the absolutely
1: world... beat the Warriors. Yeah. they could definitely beat the Warriors. Yeah. Um, the Warriors are like world... cold and slow, and yeah, the Grizzlies... exactly. Yeah,
0: and and the Grizzlies are kind of on a come up, similar to what the Warriors were years ago, which is the comparison mm. everyone's been making all year. Yeah, but it does feel like it's definitely the Suns conference to win in a way that I haven't seen in like I was a Suns doubter last year. I You were mm-hmm. much higher on the Suns going into the playoffs. I remember you were like, yeah, I actually think that they have a chance to win the West and they had some things break their way. Obviously, Kawhi sure. gets hurt like the Lakers had injuries, all this stuff. But at the same time, they won the West. They took the every game of the finals as. We talked about last week. Every game of the finals was close, except for one game that could have easily they could have won the finals last year. Oh, they're easily! Better. Yeah. I think they're better this year, and I think they're even being under. Like to me, they're the team that everyone talked about with the Jazz. Like every year, the Jazz were like amazing world beaters in the regular season, especially last year when they were comparing them to the 14 Spurs and all that stuff. That's what the Suns are. Is that the Suns yes. are? They have like they might not have one top ten guy, but they have two top fifteen ish guys, and they have from. I mean, where I don't it depends on where you have Bridges and Nathan, but like you could argue they're both top forty, top forty ish, yeah. and yeah. like you have four top forty guys, crazy depth. Monty Williams has done a great job coaching this year. I the the thing with them is they don't lose in the clutch, like they are. Never. Incredible, dude. They're—I think I saw something the other day that said they were like thirty-nine and zero when going into the fourth quarter with a lead or something. Like they're crazy when they have a lead. Like they do—they are the anti-Sixers, Jazz. Like they don't (laughs) blow leads ever. And I think that, like, they've just been a fucking machine. Like I would be pretty surprised. Injury, obviously being the exception. That if they didn't win the West, I think the Warriors have the one shot. To beat them i think that the grizzlies have the shot to beat the warriors but they can't beat the sun so i agree with your tiers there this the third tier is probably where i would put the mavericks the nuggets depending on if they can get back jamal murray and the jazz who just have a ton of question marks and are just like whatever and then from there i don't think that any team has a like though even those teams would have to have some crazy injury stuff They'd have to have some stuff break their way. I just, I think that it's like we're probably on a collision for a rematch of the finals from last year. But I think, I I think the Suns would beat the Bucks this time. And I know that Nihilus Bucks didn't want to hear that last last week, which is why I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But like, I really do think that the Suns are a fucking machine this year, and that they have figured out some of their like their major weakness in that series was not having a backup center once Dario Saric went down. Like, I don't even know if he would have been playable. As a mm-hmm. backup center in that series, and now you have JaVale McGee who and Bismack biombo who are not particularly good, but they're effective in their roles. And then on top of that, you have the fact that like they're not Frank Kaminsky, and Frank Kaminsky was yes. fucking terrible last year. He was in the god finals.
1: awful. Yeah,
0: there's no way he should ever be in a finals rotation. So, so yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. I think that. I think that ultimately that probably will be what happens. I, I think watching watching the six the Suns when they had nothing to play for against the Sixers and they were still just like fucking like they came all the way back and beat us. I was like this team is gonna be a fucking problem. Yeah, but they're
1: they're really, really good. They're um, crazy. The the stuff that I've heard from the Nuggets is not super positive on Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. I mean, Porter yeah. had a setback, but Murray it's it seems very murky. Like there were a couple reports a few weeks ago that like he was progressing, and now it doesn't seem like he is. I, I yeah, I don't really know what's going on with them, but I would be the same as I would for the Clippers, even if Kawhi Leonard came backwards. Like he's been out the entire season. Is he going to come in and play like P Kawhi Leonard? No. I'm if anybody would, it might be Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, but like, having I mean, KD are like just they're different, they're different. <laughs> yeah, I they're freaky, but like, yeah. I mean, I Jamal Murray is just not on that level. Like, Jamal Murray is very, very good and he would help the, the Nuggets a lot, but like, their problem is not guard play either. Like, Monty Morris has probably been their second or third best player of this year. He's the best backup, he would immediately be the best backup point guard in the NBA if if Jamal Murray came back. And like, Bones Highland, as we all know, uh, knows, knows ball and is is a real hooper, and uh, That's right. and love is. Them. Uh, The Clippers could have drafted him and then didn't, which pains me. Um, He went two spots before the Sixers, but it's all right. Yeah. um, So, like, guard play is not really their issue either. Like, I mean, they could use that top-tier upside that, like, Jamal Murray brings in terms of being, like, a really excellent scorer and playmaker. But, like, I don't know if that changed. Like, their problem is also perimeter defense. And, like, they don't have guys on the wing who are really – I mean, Aaron Gordon's good, but, like, he's not, like, a perimeter. He's more of a forward guy um like they have to play like austin rivers a lot because their perimeter defense isn't good like i love my yeah. guy but um he's not a guy you want playing like 20 25 minutes in playoff series um i i just don't think it's the nugget season next season i think they'll be terrifying um yeah like they're gonna be really really good especially if they reload their bench a little bit um but yeah i, I would agree like the the Mavs are the team that i can't quite place because I think I actually think they could possibly beat the Warriors. Like if Luca's on one, I they could beat almost anybody. I don't think they could beat the Suns, and I don't think they could beat the Bucks. But like I think they could beat any other team in the NBA in a in a four game in a seven game series because like Luca is that unstoppable. They do have better defenders around him now. Brunson and Dinwiddie do add more ball handling than they've had in years prior. Um, they got rid of Porzingis, who's just holding them back <laughs> in terms of style of play. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, i they're not realistic chances to to win the West. I don't – they're not beating the Suns. Like, they do not yeah. have.
0: Yeah. The one matchup I do want to see is the Nuggets and Mavs in the first round because I just want to see the one-man wrecking crew teams of, like, Jokic versus Luka. Like, I think the Mavs probably have a little bit more talent around. And although the Nuggets have come on recently, I mean – the one thing I will say is if they if they bring back the only thing about bringing back Jamal Murray is that it means less on ball opportunities for Will Barton and Aaron Gordon which is good, good in thing. my opinion. Yes, like I think yes. that like their offense will be even better if Jamal comes back and I think that those two being able to focus more on defense and trying to be like you know, I know Barton's inconsistent and Gordon's actually a pretty good defender. But, like, I, I think that those guys slotted down one in the pecking order oh, is sure. best for their games for sure. Uh, and especially with Bones coming off the bench, like, I, I, they got a little bit of firepower. I definitely overshot when I said I thought they would make the finals in the preseason just because I didn't like the Suns that much. But the Suns have b- blown away my expectations. And uh, I don't think. I mean, that- Importer
1: Jr.'s missed the entire season in it. Yeah, it yeah, that was the nine. thing.
0: And I yeah, thought Jamal yeah. would be back by like next month and that they would just throw him in and be a fucking wrecking crew like you said like they would just be like a machine but unfortunately it doesn't look like it's going to be that way um so let's just talk let's follow up on some of our preseason award predictions because uh first off we we both got a few things pretty close to like the reality of what happened so do you remember who your preseason mvp pick was when you came I on.
1: believe I went on a huge anti-Warriors Lakers uh media chant. And I, th- I thought that they would have to give it to LeBron or Steph because yes. uh you know Giannis won two years in a row, Jokic won. These are non-glamour markets, these are non-American Hooper type, whatever. I thought that media would be sure to gift it to one of those guys, and at various points this season, it seems like it it would or KD they tried, they sure tried, uh, but it's not gonna happen. So I I was wrong there. But if they if they were healthy. Um, they would have gotten some consideration, but um, yeah, I, I that I think it was it was one of those guys. I think,
0: yeah. So you had Steph as your 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 picks here were actually really good. You had Steph as your like choice overall, and it was you kind of defined it when we talked on that podcast, which is basically you know the Warriors uh, media machine, the sure. uh, propaganda outlets kind of pushing that. And instead, that, it got
1: also, Andrew Wiggins in All Star birth, which is. <laughs> It is still not talked enough how batshit insane that that is. Insane. He's not. I'm still not sure he's even good. Like, <laughs> he, what what happened? It's it's legitimately unbelievable. Like, I I'm on a long bit on Twitter that Amir Coffee is better than Andrew Wiggins, and I like mostly believe it. I like I think the the Clippers would probably not be much better with Andrew Wiggins <laughs> in place of Amir Coffee. And like Amir Coffee is good, but like I I, I- don't know. I feel pretty good because I had people coming at
0: my neck uh, about Andrew Wiggins for a little bit, and I feel pretty good about my thing that he is a Stefan Draymond merchant because how oh, the hell has he looked without – when one of those two is out, he is not nearly as effective. No. And I feel I, – I, I'm legit the worst all-star starter of my life. I, I mean I yes. can't imagine – like but other than the legacy guys that might've just got it because it was like their last year in the NBA
1: sure. yeah, and yeah, like
0: yeah. Allen Iverson probably sucked as last year. I can't even really remember all that much. He did. Um, <laughs> and he, I'm sure he got it, but like still like other than like that, it Wiggins is, and, and that is like, they earned their shit throughout their career. Like yeah. Wiggins, a uh, joke that he was an all to make the all-star team is one thing. Like I thought, uh, I said last year, and I stand by this opinion, Tobias Harris was better than Andrew Wiggins. Tobias Harris last year was better than Andrew Wiggins this year, and he didn't even make the All-Star Easily. Team the not FIFA even conference. Conference. close. Yeah, not, not even and, close. And Wiggins was an All-Star starter. He was one of the five guys picked to start. It's a joke. So Whatever that K-pop band out there was, they were on some fucking some <laughs> bullshit there. But, um, so, okay, so you had Steph as your MVP pick. Yeah. Jason Tatum was your long shot, which proved Looks to be good. pretty fucking good. He's probably going to finish top five. I think he'll probably yeah. be fifth is my guess. And so great picks by you. I had Giannis as my MVP. I think he's going to finish third. So not a bad pick. And I had as my long shot, I picked the wrong bull. I had Zach Levine as my long shot. DeMar DeRozan is the one who's probably going to finish like sixth or seventh in MVP voting. Yeah. I think that... I probably should. I could have never seen Demar Derozan being as good as he was. I thought Levine was clearly going to be the best player Mm -hmm. on their team, and that they were going to be surprisingly good. Uh, So I had him on there, but uh, obviously none of us got that one right because it's probably going to end up being Jokic and maybe Embiid.
1: So Giannis, I don't, I don't know the the Giannis the the Sixers game could be a turning point. If he has a really dynamite last couple weeks, he might still steal it. He probably won't though.
0: I just want to say, though, this is bullshit that the Giannis is now going to get... It... Giannis should be in the conversation, and I'd be fine with him winning MVP. Don't get me wrong. He's probably the best player in the NBA right now. Yeah, But if you want to talk about from a narrative basis, Embiid just did what Giannis did three weeks ago. Without James Harden, went into Milwaukee, beat the Bucks by three on their home court, scored forty-two points, played played better defense than he's played for the majority of the season, and now it's because it's three weeks later and we're closer to the end. It's just going to be recency bias stuff.
1: It's that was it's an that insane kind of game stuff. Was, what's that? That was an insane game by Embiid, right?
0: And yeah. like, and that was without that was after the trade. Harden was on the bench. So we didn't even have like Seth Curry and Andre Drummond to back him up. Like, like, I I just want to say that like from a narrative perspective, this is what drives me crazy about the MVP stuff, which is like all this like head to head stuff with like Jokic and Embiid. When I thought that they, that Embiid arguably outplayed Jokic, but Jokic's team won because they went on a run because he was coming off the bench. Like all this narrative stuff drives me crazy. I'm fine with any of them winning MVP. Yes. But I just think that some of the narrative stuff should just, kind of go out the window. Um, so, okay. Um, let's talk about most improved player, which we both had the same exact choices for ours, weirdly enough. It we was had, Jordan Poole, right? We both had Jordan Poole for ours. You're, you're a guy from Michigan. Uh, we we kind of both chalked it up to, he's going to be really good. He's going to get buckets. And also he plays for the Warriors and the Warriors media machine is going to, you know, prop out that propaganda and then our long shot, we both chose Terrence Mann, who I haven't really paid attention to him that much, but I'm assuming was not in. he's not in the, the candidate uh, pool this year for most improved player, for sure.
1: No, no, no. Clippers fans were really disappointed with him early in the season. Um, I was I was totally fine with him. He's been much better of late, but yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to most improved. Jordan Poole probably won't. He might finish top three. Um, yeah, I mean, I would. I honestly, might like, he'd be really up there. I mean, it's like him, Maxi, um, Jaw, ja. Bane. Yeah, I think Jaw
0: will probably win.
1: Jaw probably will win, which is totally. Des- I mean, it's totally deserving. But I mean, Pool will will get will get votes. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that I think that he has. I think that Jaw has made the leap. That like Luca should have won his second year. He should. Yes. Like yeah. he he made the leap from borderline all-star player to top 15 guy in the NBA. And like, that is the hardest thing to do. And that is what jaw has done this year. So I think I personally think that Ja Morant should get it. I probably, uh, I would love to see Maxi get it, but I don't think they're going to give it to a second year player. They generally don't. It's probably going to come down to Darius Garland, DeJounte Murray and Ja Morant for the most improved player award. I think Ja will probably win. Yeah, think Garland might come in second. Those those guys we did not mention in the preseason podcast, so they kind of had surprising. Although Garland was a guy that was being thrown around at the beginning of the season, I think Dejounte Murray's leap was really what was the most surprising, surprising.
1: there. Yeah, although yeah, yeah.
0: I kind of think Dejounte Murray's still a little overrated, but that's just me. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so rookie of the year is up next. We both came close here. I think mine's going to win. So first off, I'm mad at myself for not putting money on any of this because I at least might have been able to get a cash out bet on some of these where like it was looking like at a certain point of the season that these guys might win these awards. Mm-hmm. But my rookie of the year was Evan Mobley, who I think will win the award. And I had my long shot is Davion Mitchell and Bones Highland were my two. Bones is coming on at the end of the season. Mitchell's coming on at the end of the season your choice was cade and cade kind of had a bad start because of his injury and he didn't might not really get a fair shot at the end because those that first month was so brutal but he's definitely going to finish in the top 3 or 4 and scottie barnes was someone we mentioned but we mentioned him only because we thought that the Raptors were the only team that had a shot to be good enough for him to be in the conversation. I think that he's exceeded all of my expectations for what he would do as a rookie. And he's way better than I thought he ever would be. And I think Mobley probably wins this award. You had Cade as your pick and your long shot was Chris Duarte from the Pacers.
1: Honestly, it didn't look bad for a couple months. And no, uh, he was
0: really good to start.
1: Yeah. And the Pacers have just completely tanked and given up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bones and Davion should make all rookie teams, I would guess. At least yeah. one of them will. They might, one of them will probably make it and not the other, because I think they're probably fighting for the same spot. But um, yeah, my guess is Cade will finish third. It'll be Scotty or, or Mobley in some order, and then Cade third. Though, I mean, I, I kind of think my guy Franz Wagner should be in there. True. Um, he's, his numbers are not that much worse than Scotty's. I, I think the highs are probably not as high, but like, Um, I mean, he just plays for the magic and literally nobody cares about, (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's probably one of our better ones. I think, uh, I still think Mobley should win it. I think he's been more impressive to me than, than Scotty Barnes, um, in kind of a tougher situation. Um, and with a bigger role, but, um, I, I think, God, the, uh, Scotty being good and also likable is just so unfortunate because it just means Raptors fans being smug. And it's the I know, worst thing in the world. I know. I literally was just about to say the one thing that Franz and the
0: one thing about Franz and Mobley that they don't have going for them is they don't have a nation of psychos, uh, <laughs> tweeting about them 24 seven. It is so and how great how great they are and how they should win every i joked last week that they're going to be arguing that Scotty should be a third team all nba as well in addition to pascal siakam
1: but i'm surprised uh, we haven't seen that to be honest i'm surprised. i mean surprised i'm sure
0: that. you could find it i'm sure if you if you if you <laughs> dug hard enough there's there's some psycho who lives in like fucking i don't know alberta or something that has oh, yeah. tweeted something something along those lines um so We both agreed, by the way, we, I just want to say we nailed this. We both agreed Mobley was going to be the best player of this class. And I think that he will be, he will be, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. I think that he's was historically good defensively for a rookie and his offense is still pretty good too. So
1: yeah, I love him.
0: Yeah. So he's great. Uh, and then our defensive player of the year awards, honestly, I think we could pick the guys that are going to be the only guy that we didn't mention in this conversation, was Marcus Smart, who has a shot at winning and could, I think I even saw in a few books, he was the betting favorite to win. I think he
1: might win. Yeah, I think and, he, and win. he would
0: be the first guard to win since Gary since Payton Gary in Payton. the 90s. Yeah. yeah, he's been really fucking good this year. He's yeah. doing the, as Mike Bradley on Twitter pointed out, he's doing the Ben Simmons playbook from last year, talking about Rudy and saying he can't guard all five positions.
1: <laughs> I he's, love it so much. It, it, they. Um, they, they
0: they all, everyone, just hates
1: Rudy, dude. Like,
0: collectively, it's so funny.
1: Yeah, it's so it, it's fascinating. Um, I would love to read like a really in-depth piece about it because none of the nobody likes or respects Rudy Gobert, and it's like he's a he's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, no questions asked. One of the best defensive players of his generation. Just nobody respects him at all. It's it's <laughs> absolutely wild. <laughs> it's insane, um,
0: dude. Yeah, him and but Trey would a more and, uh, duo had-
1: than Harden and Embiid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we had Giannis and then Rudy probably for defensive player of the year, yes. right? Yeah.
0: yeah, so I had Gobert as my choice with Thibel as my dark horse. Thibel's just never going to be able to stay on the court offensively enough to yeah, be a yeah. contender Long for enough. this award. And I think that his defense, even in some regards when he's going up against star perimeter players, he gets burnt far too often to even be like on the Kawhi level of like mention or even like ben simmons he's just uh, a little
1: undersized yeah it's, yeah it's, it's, yes
0: yeah. it's and his and his like reaction speed isn't great like he he plays the he recovers like that's his game he recovers and gets steals and blocks and jumps in passing lanes and does all that stuff and he's still an incredibly talented defender but like i think he tops out as like a second team all defense guy just because the offense is never going to be good enough for him to be up for this kind of award and you had Giannis as your pick and your dark horse was clint capella So that looks bad. He he had the Achilles injury. He wasn't the same all year. The Atlanta, we both expected Atlanta to be a lot better than they were this year. I had them as a top three or four seed in the East, and they were, they're like the 10 seed right now. So, but I think Giannis or Gobert, if smart doesn't win it, it's going to be Giannis or Gobert. And I would guess it's Giannis. So I think you might have got that one.
1: I I actually, I really do think Smart is going to win it. I think the Celtics narrative over the past couple of months, it, it might be True. recency bias. I mean, he is an in, an insane defender. um And, like, he both does, like, all the glamour stuff and all the little stuff, which you don't often see from, like, those types of perimeter defenders. I think he's a perfectly deserving winner. I mean, I don't think he probably has the impact of, or of Gobert or, or Giannis just due to position. But, like, I think, I, I don't, I actually, I don't think Rudy is going to win it. Um, just because of voter bias, but um, yep. but I, I, that might be the top three. It it probably will be the top three, actually. Yeah. So we were pretty close on that,
0: except for we missed on Smart, who's going to be the one that probably wins the award. Right now, we have we both at the time we had both said if Draymond stayed healthy and the Warriors were good, that he would win, and I actually think that would have been the case. Like I think, hundred percent,
1: yes, yeah.
0: If Draymond stays healthy, they had the number one defense by far when he was on the court. And the other guy we mentioned that would be in this conversation who also should finish probably top five is Bam Adebayo. Cause when Bam is on the court, the Heat's defense is really fucking good and he's switchable one through five. He's a pretty good rim protector. Like he does, he does a lot of things in the defensive end, but I still hate him because he plays for the Heat. So (laughs) can't, can't give him, can't give him any respect. Uh, Speaking of the Heat,
1: we both had Tyler Hero to win six man of the year. Really? I'm I can't even remember. That's the one I could not remember. Uh, God, yep. I hate that. So hate... So
0: we're right. I think he's going to win, right? He like is. who else who else is even a candidate? Like I can't even think of anyone who would be even close to his like he's by far the six man of the
1: year, has right? Has Poole started too much? He probably has, right?
0: I think he started a good chunk of the year when Clay
1: was out. Yeah, yeah, Poole has definitely yeah, he's definitely started way too much and now he's starting with Curry out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I have no idea who the other six-man candidates would be. Um,
0: yeah, like Clarkson yeah. wasn't as good this year. Like no. the normal guys. Lewell has is Old. gone. He's not in the conversation anymore. Like, I can't it's, even... Yeah, it's going it to be, be Hero. Yeah, it's got to be.
1: Yeah.
0: So we had that. And once again, the thing we talked about that's really hard with the defense, or with the six-man of the year award is if you're good enough you're just going to start too much and that's probably yep. that's and if there are injuries and stuff like that and that's probably what killed jordan Poole's case uh so we had that our dark horses were way off
1: way way off i think i said lou williams just for nostalgia steak right
0: you did you said lou williams <laughs> and kevin herger from the Hawks. we we each had hawks i had Gallo as oh, mine wow. as a long shot which in retrospect looks terrible and kobe white from the bulls because i thought that the bulls were going to be good once again and i thought that kobe would be ideal in that six man type role hasn't turned out that way although he's an nba player now at least like he's a rotation player in the nba which like he's fine but like i expected him to kind of thrive in that six man role and they haven't he hasn't really and uh you know he once again before this year he was pretty bad so at least he's a rotation level nba player now and then our last picks which is the coach of the year which is just kind of random so i just want to say if we had both collectively decided to put money on this we would have won six man of the year i probably would have won rookie of the year and you would have at least got to the point where Giannis has a shot at defensive player of the year Steph had a shot at MVP. There could have been a cash out at some point for some of these awards is my point that we would have probably went home with some money if we had put down some of this stuff. So the last one is the coach of the year. I was so far off. It's a fucking joke. I had Nate McMillan of the Atlanta Hawks because I thought the Hawks were going to be really good. I thought they were going to keep up the momentum from last year. And then my dark horse, which was just more of a joke, was Jason Kidd. And he's actually much he will more, get votes yeah he will definitely finish top five in coach of the yeah. year voting and as nihilus buck said the first year of the jason experience a jason kid experience is awesome and then everything goes to shit in the second year so have fun with that mavs and then your picks you had one that was really close and one that was really off so your one that was really off was chauncey billups and yes. that shit from the jump was terrible. And by the way, I just want to point out, we both pointed out that Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups are terrible people who should not have NBA coaching jobs. But from uh, just like from an award standpoint, you you had Chauncey and your good pick was Udoka. So you yep. had Ime or Ime Udoka, I'm, I think is how you say his name. Ime, yeah. And, yeah. And you, so you had Udoka because you were like, the first year guys are generally the ones that win this award. And at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, that pick does not look good at all. But ho- holy shit, it has worked out like he if it weren't for Monty Williams and the Suns, like being historically good this year, he probably wins the award.
1: Yeah, I bet I, he probably finished the second. But yeah, I mean, I, the easy pick probably I don't know why neither of us picked Monty. I guess we maybe <sighs> we just thought the Suns might be about as good, in which case they, you know, you know, they wouldn't win it but yeah i mean i i was a suns i was high on the suns i thought that yeah. you know we mentioned
0: money we both yeah. said that basically what we said was like they'd have to really exceed expectations in order to get like win for him to yeah. win because
1: he didn't win last year when they were really good so i mean they might win seven they have a they have a shot to win 70 wait no 68 is the 68 that's still insane um yeah yeah, he's gonna win. Yudoka might finish the Jason Kidd, honestly, might finish third. I don't know who else would really get votes. And I people love to talk themselves into former players, but um, yeah, Billups, wow! I mean, I don't think I even thought he'd be I really- good, I, I didn't think he'd be good, I just thought he would get it just because people liked him, um, yeah. and that I thought the Blazers would be at least solid. And uh, they have gloriously collapsed. There have been so many great. The Blazers being terrible, the Lakers being terrible. These it's are amazing. all great, great, great storylines. You um, love it,
0: but your your guy Ty Lu, will definitely finish top five.
1: I he might, I, he probably will finish top five. I think he'll be behind those. He'll be behind Udoka and Kid though. But I mean, he'll, he'll probably be like fourth or fifth, um, pretty deservedly so. I mean, he's he might be the best coach in the NBA. I would probably lean Spo, um, but I mean, Ty Lu is very, 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 very good. Um, I think he's,
0: he's at, at worst, second or third. Like, I think that him, Nurse, and Spell are clearly the best.
1: Yeah, I mean, he... Oh,
0: Monty Williams, too. Monty Williams, I would put up.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, the, the funny thing with Ty Lu is he's, he's very opposite of Doc Rivers in some ways. Um, there are a lot of, like, rotational stuff. I mean, I disagree with Doc on rotations, too. But um, there's a lot of rotation stuff that I disagree with Ty Lu about. Like, he doesn't play Robert Covington enough. He plays Marcus Morris too much. He does some other random stuff. Um, but, like, he nails all of the big picture things, and he nails, like, the vibe stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's really the most important thing for a coach, to be honest. Um. And he has that, like, a million percent. He might be the best in the NBA at it. Um, In yeah. terms of, like, getting guys to buy in and having guys, like, really have his back. And, and I mean, he, like, everybody in the NBA respects Ty Lue.
0: So two um, things about Ty Lue. One is that what you said, he's the perfect in terms of the opposite of Doc, not only with the vibe stuff, but also when you go into a playoff series with Ty Lue as your coach, you know that he's going to try some crazy shit in game one. Yes. He's going to yes. throw some shit at the wall. He's going to see what sticks. He might even punt game one and just see see what the vibes are. But by game two or game three, he's gonna make adjustments, he's gonna figure that shit out on the fly in a way that Doc is like the complete opposite, and that like he's he would rather lose doing what he does than win. Yes. That's just like really what it comes down to with Doc. Yes. And the other the other thing with with Tyloo is Sixers fans are really mad at him right now. But his own on Daryl Morey was really fucking funny.
1: So it is funny. It
0: is so funny. yeah, so Ty tweet or Ty says like, and if you, the context of his quotes actually weren't even that bad, he was like, no, you just not gotta at make all. Sure, he was like, you just got to make sure Embiid and Harden can't get to the free throw line because they're both not like. Incredibly effective scorers if you eliminate that part of their game. And everyone talked took it as like them talking shit. And of course that motivated Embiid to come out and fucking draw and walk up to him and be like, I can't score without getting free throws, huh? Like talking shit. Like I didn't have a problem with it, but the more more retweeting about it and then Ty Lu saying uh, you know, last time he tweeted it cost the NBA a billion dollars. It was a good own. He's very funny. Yeah.
1: It's yeah, Ty Lue is is very funny. Uh yeah, it's um It was I was I was I wouldn't say I was skeptical because, I mean, I thought he was underappreciated in Cleveland and like everything I'd heard was that he's just a very, very, very well respected guy. Um, But, yeah, I did not think he would be this good. I mean, it's also possible he's just gotten better. A lot of coaches get better on their second stops. Um, He's had consistently really good assistant coach, like lead assistant coaches like Kenny Atkinson was there for a couple of years or last year, I guess. And uh, Dan Craig who used to be with the Heat as supposedly assistant is there now um and they I mean they just have a really really good staff um but yeah I mean he's he's great and like again like I disagree with him like I disagreed with him the playoffs a lot but he was just figuring stuff out and like it costs the team some games sometimes but he he comes through so um it is not going to be the Clippers year this year unless some really weird stuff happens um and like Kawhi Leonard comes back at 100 percent but um I mean the Clippers have their coach which is as as we all know is is a big thing
0: uh, yeah, I would say so, especially when you have the talent that they do, and now you guys have the depth that you do. And the last thing I just want to say about Ty Lue before we get out of here is when Jared Dudley wrote that book and he said, you know, he read the quote about – I don't even remember what the quote was about. Oh, it was about, like, how the Lakers didn't take the Clippers seriously, and yeah. they were like – and then <laughs> Ty Lue was just like, wait, stop jared dudley wrote a book who the fuck cares <laughs> i was like you're, you're tyloo i know you've beefed with the sixers a little bit forever goaded in my mind for making fun of jared dudley in that way i love it i love it yeah. so much it was amazing. jared
1: dudley is a, a, a reviled in clippers land uh, for actually reasons that are not his fault <laughs> it's a classic doc situation actually he hates doc rivers uh, which is why he was oh, making fuck. fun of the uh, that's now why he was like saying him. they didn't respect the Clippers, is because of Doc. He is mad beat with Doc, but it's like a whole thing about how they mismanaged his injury. It's it's classic Clippers, Doc Rivers stuff, but uh, yeah, um, that, that dunking on Jared Dudley is, is fantastic. Jared Dudley, the worst person you know, makes a great point <laughs> hating Doc Rivers. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, All right, Rob. This was a great podcast. I appreciate you coming back on. I will uh, put all of your links in the description so people can follow you on Twitter and follow all of your work.
1: Thanks. Sounds good. That was always great having me on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: That was great.